I want you to think about gifts. Today, it's a gift that we have children's church. I want you to think about gifts that you've received in your life. I'm not talking about gifs. I'm talking about gifts. <laughs> and so um, what are some gifts you've received? I know once um, one of my mom's friends gave me a violin and then another woman traded. If I would babysit, she'd give me lessons for violin. That was a gift that was given to me when I was a, a, a child. I remember receiving a scholarship or a financial gift. Um, maybe you've received an invitation to a team or um, a job or something like that. I know that Aaron has had two bosses, especially. One is, was Chris Barden. You know who you are, Chris, but another was um, his boss from New York. And they were, they've been incredible gifts in our family's lives. Um, forgiveness. Have you ever received forgiveness for something significant? Um, a friend, maybe a child, maybe a pet. Animals can be gifts. I was talking to my grandma about her dog, and she said, my dog was so smart. I said, really? Why, grandma? Why was your dog so special? And she said, it was really special. She said, um, the dog would go and get uh, her, <laughs> her paper for her all the time from the front porch. And I said, well, that's cool, grandma, but I, I'm not sure how special that is. Lots of dogs do that. And she said, well, we didn't have a subscription to the newspaper. <laughs> okay, that's not a true story. <laughs> but I was just thinking about what gifts pets are. Today, I wanna talk about three gifts that can change your life. Mercy, forgiveness, and generosity. And two thieves that steal judgment and condemnation. One of my favorite things about Jesus is his unbelievable mercy, generosity, and forgiveness. He isn't lax or in denial or passive or unaware of the messes and dysfunction that we get ourselves in. But while we were still sinners, it says in Romans 5.8, Christ died for us. Last week, I talked about the Samaritan woman. Jesus was fully aware of all the animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans and the barriers between men and women. And he could see the pain that she was in because of life circumstances. But his very nature of generosity propelled him to reach past those barriers and connect with her, be seen with her, drink water with her, honor her, and work with her to reach the people in her town even. Jesus embodied mercy, forgiveness, and generosity. He seemed especially interested about giving these gifts to people who might seem the most unworthy. He was especially passionate and intentional about that. The scripture passage I want to read today is short and it comes and it's the first few verses before what Anthony shared today from the prophecy mic. So the verses I'm gonna share come right before the verses he shared about removing the plank from your own eye and the blind leading the blind in Luke six. These verses come from the Sermon on the Mount 
where Jesus teaches his disciples in crowds. You can find it in Matthew 5 and Luke 6. And I recommend you go and you read it um, this week, especially if you don't already have a Bible plan. Take this week and read Matthew 5 and Luke 6. But in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives all sorts of advice, advice about marriage, advice about not taking oaths, um, advice about, he, he says, that's where he says, blessed are the poor. That's where he says, woe to others, the rich and the popular. He teaches us the model prayer there. He talks to us about not worrying about what we eat and wear. It's rich with practical advice. Read it this week. But I want to read Jesus's words where he contrasts judgment and condemnation with mercy, forgiveness, and generosity. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So for each of these three gifts, mercy, um, forgiveness, and generosity, and for each thief, condemnation and judgment, I'm gonna give a definition, a short illustration, and some tips. Mercy, be merciful just as your father is merciful. We started this year, the first Sunday in January with Stanley giving a word saying, this should be a year of mercy and grace. He read from Isaiah 55, seven that says, let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. I love that all three of those themes are in this verse, mercy, forgiveness, and generosity. What is mercy? It's compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone within one's power to punish or harm. The Encyclopedia of the Bible puts it this way, a willingness to forgive an offender or adversary, and more generally, a disposition to spare or help another this disposition, if I can say it, although inwardly felt, manifests itself outwardly in some kind of action. It is evident that mercy combines a strong emotional element, such as pity, compassion, or love, with some practical demonstration of kindness in response to the condition and needs of the object of mercy. So there's willingness plus emotion plus action equals mercy. You need all three. A story now. Remember Jean Valjean from Les Miserables, the book or the play or the musical, whichever one you've seen. It takes place, in case you don't know the story, in the years of the French Revolution. In the dark of the night, a man is running undercover, Jean Valjean. He's, in his, he's a convict out of prison where he'd been for 19 years. He was imprisoned initially because he'd stolen bread to give his sister's starving children. He ends up 19 years in prison. He's bitter, 
He's angry, he's hungry, he's cold. He sings in the musical, he says, never forget the years, the waste, nor forgive them for what they've done. They are guilty, everyone. Later on, he's trying to break into a churchyard and a parish of a bishop. And the bishop finds him trying to break into his home. But instead of punishing Jean Valjean, what does the bishop do? He invites Jean in for the evening. He says, come in, sir, for you are weary and the night is cold out there. Though our lives are very humble, what we have, we have to share. There is wine here to revive you. There is bread to make you strong. There's a bed to rest till morning. I love this line, rest from pain and rest from wrong. That's the bishop's song. So Jean Valjean stays the night in the bishop's home, in the bishop's bed. But in the night, he remembers seeing silverware. And he needs, he, he's like, I, if, if I take this silver, I'll have enough money to last me and to get a new start. So he takes the silver and he takes off. But in the night, he gets caught by the police officials. They find him with the silver and they arrest him and say, we are taking you. And he says, but the bishop gave me the silver. The bishop gave it to me, it's a lie. And they say, we'll see about that. And they take him directly to the bishop. And when they get there, what does the bishop say to the police officers? He says, that's right, I gave him that silver. And in fact, I don't know why he left so early. And he looks at Jean Valjean and he says, something slipped your mind and he gives him two silver candlesticks beyond what he had already stolen. You forgot these, he says, and the police have no other choice but to let him go. And this is what the bishop says, go in peace. By the way, when you return, my friend, it is not necessary to pass through the garden. You can always enter and depart through the front door. It is never fastened with anything but a latch, either by day or by night. Wow, what mercy. What mercy. Isn't this like God? When we try and break in and go the back way, he welcomes us in the front door and gives us food and a bed. When we offend him again, he gives us silver. When we go on our own way, he reminds us that the front door, not the back door, the front door is always open. This is mercy. Be merciful as your father is merciful. Jesus says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Let's talk about judgment. John 3, 17 says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. What does it mean to judge? It's to form an opinion or a conclusion, to condemn, to damn, decree, decide, determine. It's to take to the law. It's to call into question. It's to sentence, it's to give a verdict. We judge people all the time. Think about with our own family, your kid lies and you say, oh, you're a liar. 
instead of saying, you lied and we need to deal with this, we put a verdict and a judgment on them. You're a liar. Oh, God forbid, we should never do that. We call each other cheaters and idiots and whatnot, knuckleheads, all the time, right? The authorities in our lives, how often do we curse? How often do we judge authorities in our lives? Teachers, bosses, government authorities, they're all corrupt. They're just power hungry. Oh, she's so greedy. Oh, he's so selfish. We judge and judge and judge. We judge people groups, just like the Samaritans were judged and the Jews were judged. We judge people groups. Oh, they're so evil. Oh, they're fools. Oh, they're a lost cause. Oh, they're so spoiled and materialistic. What are the judgments we have against different people? The tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs 18, 21, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Jesus said he came not to judge, but to save. Point blank, he says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Have you all seen that we have a, um, a playpen in the foyer where we can collect goods for Care Portal? Do you all remember what Care Portal is? It's a program that we're part of where we work together with other churches and we work with DCFS to provide furniture and household items for families involved with the foster care system and child services. The goal of Care Portal is to strengthen biological families, to help foster parents prepare for children, and to provide for youth aging out of the system. I'm so thankful to be part of it. I love being part of it because I wanna help people. I wanna, I wanna find ways to help people who need help in a way that I know will be constructive. And I really wanna support social workers because I know how much stress they're under and I know how hard they work. I wanna tell you a story, a real quick story about a time that Lance and Leslie took a dining room table to a family. Now, before you go, we ask you if you do a delivery to go through some training. And in the training, they tell you always to beware of assuming anything based on what you see or the little you know. In other words, they say, don't make judgments, don't make assumptions. So Lance and Leslie work really hard to find a dining room table, to load it up, to find a time to deliver it to this family. And when they get there, there's already a dining room table there. So if that were me, I'd probably be annoyed. I'd probably forget the advice to not make any assumptions. If it were me, I'd be like, you, they already had a table. Why do they need a table? What's wrong with Care Portal? What's wrong with this organization? Why, why does she need two tables? <laughs> but as I talk with the woman there, or the man, I can't remember who it was, but as they talk, um, what they realize is that um, the, the person there tells them, our social worker, is lending us her table 
until we can get her own. When they told me that story, I was just like, oh my goodness. That's the problem with judgment. That's the problem with assuming we know things that we don't know and then judging a person or a system or a ministry. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, don't get ahead of the master, which is the Lord. This is the message translation. And jump to conclusions with your judgments before all the evidence is in. When he comes, he will bring out in the open and place in evidence all kinds of things we never even dreamed of, inner motives and purposes and prayers. Amen. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. To condemn something is to express complete disapproval of, typically in public, to sentence to a particular punishment, to pronounce guilty. It's very similar to the concept of judging. And in Bible translations, it's, the words are used often um, interchanged. These same scriptures, you can find them in different translations with the alternate words. I think Jesus was trying to emphasize something, saying the same thing twice with two different words. After writing to the Romans about a long list of sins and wrongdoings, Paul says to them in Romans 2.1, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do the very same thing. Romans 2.1. Once again, there's that consequence. When we judge, when we condemn, we condemn ourselves. Jesus says, forgive and you will be forgiven. In life, we go through super difficult circumstances, right? Painful things happen to us. People hurt us. There's trauma. And it's hard to process these things and to move on. Satan, whom we refer to as our enemy, wants to take advantage of these things and ensnare us and trap us to the event, the person, and the pain. He doesn't want us to be free of that moment. Before I describe forgiveness, I want to describe what it is not. Because I think it'll help us come to a place of forgiveness. Mike Bueller always does an excellent job of teaching this in our Freedom Seminar, so I'm using some of his words. Forgiveness is not saying that what happened is okay or that there's no damage to be remedied. Forgiveness is not saying that there are no consequences and that you have to trust the person or situation or even connect with them again. You may want to, God may want you to, but it's not always what's supposed to happen. Forgiveness is not always easy. It's usually not easy. <laughs> and forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. To forgive is to free fully, to dismiss something, to let it die, to pardon, to let it go, to let it loose, to send it away, to release it, to set it at liberty. <clears throat> when we forgive someone, we are letting go, releasing them to God, 
allowing God to deal with them. We often use this picture of how to catch a monkey. Look at that monkey. The hunter will put a treat inside the giant coconut fruit. And when the monkey puts their hand through the little hole and they grab the treat, it becomes a fist. And then the monkey can't get his hand back out. So then he's attached to this giant piece of fruit and can't let go. And then the hunter can snare him. So Blake, want to help me out here? Let's see. We're going to do bicep curls up here. Just kidding. <laughs> Which hand? Are you right-handed or left-handed? Okay, put it in your left hand. So I want you to imagine unforgiveness is like holding this giant weight in your left hand. And you might think you can handle it. Can you handle bicep curls with that? He thinks he can manage. <laughs> so he can do bicep curls. But um, could you please um, eat a sandwich with that in your left hand? <laughs> with your left hand, eat a sandwich with that? <laughs> no, he can't. Can you work? Can you go to work with that in your left hand all day long? Probably not, he says. Can you um, sleep with that all night long in your left hand? Probably not easily. Probably not easily, he says. That's what unforgiveness is like. It's like being trapped with a weight in your hand. And you think you can handle it and you think you can manage it because you don't want to let go of what happened. You don't want to set that person free. They need to pay they need to be held accountable. They need, somebody's got to keep an eye on those people or that instance or whatever happened. Oh, well, look, you might try and shift it to your right hand. Let's see how long that lasts. <laughs> how strong are you? Thank you, Blake. I'm going to let him put it down. Sometimes we are like that monkey and we just can't let go of what happened. But Jesus has forgiven us of so much, and he forgives me still moment by moment. I want to be a person who forgives and lives freely. I don't want any extra weight. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. To give is to freely transfer the possession of something to someone. I want you to think right now about a super generous person you know. We all know one, or hopefully we know a bunch. But who's someone really generous that you know? What marks them? What are they like? I can think of several friends who like to give gifts and they will give money if I needed it. I'm sure they would give me money, but they do more than that. They, they do cards and words of encouragement, a text message with a prayer. They share life-giving words. They're generous with forgiveness. <laughs> 
They look over my wrongs. They have patience with me. <laughs> You're going to need a lot of patience. <laughs> They're generous with not keeping a record of wrong. Generosity is so much bigger than material things. It's your nature. It's who you are. It's being generous in spirit. It's generous with forgiveness, generous with mercy and kindness. I love this quote by Andy Stanley. He says, kindness is loaning someone else your strength instead of reminding them of their weakness. Wow, that's a generous person. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I'm about ready to make a mess here. I brought rice from home. You guys ready for a mess? I warned Tom ahead of time. I'm going to make a mess. Move my computer here. So if you've ever cooked before, can I do this? Can I stand right here and people see me? If you know you're measuring, what do you do? You fill your measuring cup, you fill it, you fill it, you fill it, and what do you do? You shake it a little bit so it settles. If it's brown sugar, you push it down and you pack it in, right? This is how God is with us. This is how generous God is with us. He fills us up and then he shakes us around so we can get some more goodness, and then he packs it down so we can get more goodness. And then he says, you know what? That's not enough. It's not enough. I want my goodness running over you, shaking over you. Look at that. That's the goodness of God. Gwen is looking at this mess, right? <laughs> She's saying, who's going to clean that up? <laughs> yeah, I told you people have to have a lot of patience and be generous with me. <laughs> This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's love. That's generosity. Laying down our lives for one another. I'm going to finish today with a story. A young man sees an old man sitting on a bench and he recognizes him. He's like, is that him? He runs up to him. He sees him and he says, do you remember me? And the old man says, um, no. And the young man says, I was your student. And the old man says, oh, that's wonderful. Um, what do you do now? What did you do in life? And the young man says, I became a teacher. You inspired me. I want to be, I wanted to be like you. The old man was curious and said, how so? And the young man tells him the following story. Remember one day that friend of mine, he came to school and he had a beautiful new watch. And the minute I saw that watch, I said, I want that watch. I need that watch. So when, the, when he put his watch in his desk and went to recess, I went and I grabbed it and I stole it and I put it in my desk. 
Shortly after, the student came back into class and noticed his watch was missing and he went and complained to the teacher, to you. And then you, teacher, you addressed the class saying, this student's watch was stolen during recess today. Whoever stole it, please return it. I didn't give it back because I didn't want to. You then asked us to move our desks and form a circle with our desks in front of us. You told us each to stand behind the desk because you were going to look for the watch. But you would only look for the watch if we would all close our eyes. And we did as instructed. With our eyes closed, you went from desk to desk, rummaging through the contents. And when you went through mine, you found the watch and took it. You kept searching everyone's desks. And when you were done, you said, open your eyes. We have the watch. You didn't tell on me and you never mentioned the episode. You never said who stole the watch either. That day you saved my dignity forever. It was the most shameful day of my life, but this is also the day I decided not to be a thief, a bad person, etc. You never said anything, nor did, nor did you even scold me or take me aside to give me a moral lesson, but I received the message clearly. And thanks to you, I understood what a good teacher needs to do. Teacher, do you remember when this happened? The old man answered, he said, yes, I remember the situation with the stolen watch, which I was looking for in everyone's desks. But he said, I didn't remember you because I also closed my eyes while looking. The first time I heard that story, it hit me hard because I love to think of a God who looks at me that way. Incredible. Jesus did not come to judge or condemn us. He's unbelievably merciful, forgiving, and generous to us. Psalm 103. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. Today, there are two invitations. The first is for those of us who need to receive mercy, forgiveness, and God's generous gift of life. So I'm, when I'm, I'm gonna pray for that. And if you wanna pray for that with me, you are welcome to do so. The second invitation is a prayer of repentance for the times we judge and condemn, along with a declaration that we will be a people of mercy, forgiveness, and generosity. So let's pray. Father, we just say, I just say, I need mercy. 
I need forgiveness. I need your generosity. You know my sins. You know what is inside my desk. And yet you choose not to condemn me. You came and you gave your life for me. You know the unforgiveness. You know the bitterness. You know um, the things I've stolen. The things I've said. The judgments I've made. The wrong in my life. And yet you lavish your kindness on me. I just receive that right now in Jesus' name. I receive the forgiveness that you paid for at the cross. And that was the last word. And that was the end of it. I receive that today. I receive your generosity and your kindness in Jesus' name. And Lord, I, for those of us who are allowing condemnation and judgment to steal from us in these days, we reject that. We reject judgment. We reject condemnation. Those are the tools of our enemy. Those are the words of Satan, the accuser. And I say in the name of Jesus, I rebuke and I reject and I renounce judgment and condemnation. And I turn from it. And in the name of Jesus, I say, I will be a person of blessing, of forgiveness, of mercy, of generosity. And I pray that too for this church family and the people that we reach, that we would be a people of mercy and forgiveness and generosity, that we would just be overflowing, making a mess with mercy and kindness and generosity that it would spill over and all over the place. In the name of Jesus, amen.